And so I wondered, what does it mean to make it a podcast? I'm trying to do the typing sound as well. Ooh. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Make It a Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Katie. So, Katie, how are you? I am good. I'm tired because I'm, I got my first of my vaccine on Sunday, so it's still kicking me around. But I'm halfway there. So halfway there. I am halfway there. So yeah, as the woman said to me, um halfway to being superwoman. So you know, I'll take it. I'll be um double because I have like immunity. I'm doing air quotes. Um I just I'm saying immunity because I'm only immune to the strain I got, but I don't know what strain I got, and there's more than one strain, so technically I'm not immune. But yeah, she told me I'll be superwoman. So I, I, I told me. How are you, Evan? I am. Um, I'm well. Well, I am well. Uh, I had a really nice day today. I met up with my friend. Um, I got some very uh, not so nice news. Someone who I knew in college has passed away, and that's mm-hmm. not a was not easy to hear and obviously I met up my friend who was very close to this person at one point and that was you know we just had a nice day out and just had food or whatever so it was kind of nice to do that yeah but I've been fine other than that yeah oh that's good I'm glad and yeah it's always nice to like meet up with people and stuff and just and just be there for each other isn't it yeah absolutely especially in these times Mm -hmm, I know yeah god even more so in these times now, but at least we're all kind of... Are you... You're fully vaccinated now, are you? Yes, I am. Oh, that's grand then. That's not too bad, at least. You know, you have your little... um, A bit more independence. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get on to this week's topic, which Katie will introduce as always. Katie, what are we talking about? So this week we are going to discuss Carrie, Miranda, Samantha and Charlotte, who are four smart and dynamic and dynamic New York based women who, despite different circumstances and sex lives, stick together through it all. That's correct. This week we are going to talk about sex and the sea. So, Evan, what is your history with sex and the sea? My history with sex and the city, I always knew of it when I was young, when I was a lad. Mm. Um, I... Yeah. When I was a lad, uh, I at one point in life, because it used to be on Comedy Central very late. Yeah. And at one point in life, I used to wait for people to go to sleep so I could sneak down to watch it. Didn't understand what the fuck I was watching, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, shouldn't have been watching it at 11 years old or whatever the fuck old I was. Um, <laughs> uh, this explains a lot. <laughs> yes, I'm very damaged now. That sounds weird. Um, but- <laughs> Yeah, no, and since then, I've watched the series multiple times, seen both the movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say I'm a fan, sort of, I guess. I really like the series. I really do. So, What about you? What's your history with Sex and the City? So, I vividly remember when I was really young, my mom used to love watching the show. Um, like, I feel like I was about, I was definitely, I was under six because we were in our old house. And she had it on the telly and she used to watch it at night time. And like, I had like separation anxiety or whatever. I don't know what it was, but I just, 
couldn't go to bed. So I was little enough. My mum used to let me fall asleep on the sofa. But I remember um, one night she was watching it and I like couldn't sleep. <laughs> and um, I was watching it with her. But obviously she knew I didn't know what was going on. But she used to, there was bits and she'd be like, close your eyes. And I'd have to put my two hands over my eyes. <laughs> and she could tell me when to look again. <laughs> So I'd be like, can I look? And she's like, no, not yet. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind of been prevalent in my life since a really young age. Um, and I've kind of, I've never actually fully watched it the full way through. I've just kind of popped episodes on and stuff. Um, I've never like sat down and done a whole like binge of it, so to speak. But um, I remember when the films came out, I loved them. I used to watch them all the time because my mom she was she is a big fan of the franchise so I suppose I could call myself like a medium fan but yeah definitely um it paved the way for a lot of my tv watching when I was younger with my mother yeah so we are going to recap the very first episode of Sex and the City, which dates all the way back to 1998. Katie, are you ready to take a trip to Manhattan? I am ready to take a trip to Manhattan. Every day of the week. <laughs> right, so episode one, Sex and the City, uh, from 1998. So we we get, Ke- oh, Carrie narrates a story, Carrie is played by Sarah Jessica Parker. She narrates a story of how her friend Elizabeth arrived over from London, met a man named Tim. They fell in love, had amazing sex, and fantasized about moving in. But he didn't call her back. <laughs> and then uh, Carrie's narration says, no one told her about the end of love in Manhattan. Carrie continues to narrate and poses the question, why are there so many great unmarried women and no great unmarried men? It is revealed that Carrie writes a column called Sex in the City. Uh, and the article headline is Unmarried Women, Toxic Bachelors. Mm-hmm. Carrie shares the perspective amongst uh, single men and women featured featured in the article. Some of them include her friends, Miranda Hobbs, Charlotte York and Skipper Johnson. So we cut to a restaurant. It's Miranda's birthday. Um, No, it's Samantha's birthday. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Okay, I was presumptuous. We cut to a restaurant. Carrie, Samantha and Charlotte are celebrating uh, Miranda's birthday. It's someone's birthday. It was somebody's birthday. And I think it, was, it was Miranda's birthday. Yeah, I wrote Samantha here, but I met Miranda. So Samantha Jones, played by Kim Cattrall, shares her wisdom that instead of wasting your time waiting around for Mr. Wright, go out and have sex like a man without feeling. Uh, Miranda shares, mm-hmm. uh, Miranda's played by Cynthia Nixon, by the way. Miranda shares men can't perform how they're supposed to when feelings are involved. Carrie asks, what about romance? Miranda relays the story of a poet she once dated and she, although the sex was amazing, she hated the chat and had to listen to the poetry, wasn't a fan. <laughs> Charlotte begs the question on whether Miranda and Samantha are going to give up on love. Samantha says the right guy is an illusion and people need to start living their lives. Carrie questions Samantha's logic. Samantha references the movie The Last Seduction and Charlotte says that she really hated that movie. Carrie has uh, lunch with her friend Stanford Blatch. Uh, Stanford uh, sees Kurt Harrington sitting on the sitting at the bar behind Carrie. 
Terry shares he was a mistake she'd made when she was 26, 29, and 31. Stanford tells, tells her not to go there. Carrie asks, Carrie acts like she's not going to go over, but goes over to Kurt anyway. Carrie decides to try out Samantha's sex without feeling theory. Carrie and Kurt flirt a little bit while smoking indoors. He tells her to come over to his place at three. Carrie goes back to Stanford and she tells him she's doing research. Carrie and Kurt have sex. She leaves him there. She'd done it. She'd had sex like a man. Carrie leaves and drops her purse and a mysterious man who who is revealed as Mr. Big, played by Chris Noth, helps Carrie pick up her stuff. Later that night, Carrie's Carrie and her friend Skipper have coffee and he tells her it's been a year since he has had sex. He tells her he he, he tells her he's too many feelings and she asks if he's gay. Skipper Skipper asks uh, Carrie to set him up. She tells him she'll set him up with Miranda. They're all they all head they're all headed to Club Chaos the next night. Charlotte, played by Kristen Davis, calls Carrie and tells her she won't be at the club because she has a date with Capote Duncan, who Carrie describes as an ungettable bachelor. <laughs> Charlotte also says she doesn't buy into women having sex like men, like Samantha said. So we cut to Club Chaos. Miranda and Skipper are on their date, and Miranda is complaining uh, that there are too many models in the club, and she's the only one with the who who weighs over a hundred pounds. Skipper uh, makes a joke and she calls him Skippy. Uh, Miranda shares her theory on pretty girls and men being afraid to uh, afraid of them. Skipper agrees with her and she interrogates him. Skipper's hand is on Miranda's knee and he removes it quickly and she tells him to keep him where she can see him. Carrie was about to go and rescue Skipper from Miranda until she runs into Kurt. Kurt kisses Carrie. He tells her she finally understands the relationship he wants, which is sex without commitment. Mm-hmm. Carrie questions herself. Do all men want their women promiscuous and completely detached? Samantha shows up and points out Mr. Big, describing him as the next Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> Samantha goes to That's try... Oh, God. Samantha goes to try it on with Mr. Big. Uh, Charlotte is on her date and the pair are in Capote Duncan's apartment. He kisses her, but she leaves, saying she has to get up in the morning. And he calls in the morning, not morning, in the morning. He calls her a cab. Charlotte gets in the cab. He asks what she's doing next Saturday. And she says she'll be having dinner with him. So instead of going back up to his apartment, Capote hops in the cab. He's going to Club Chaos because he really needs to have sex that night. So back at Club Chaos, Samantha is trying it on with Big. She offers him a private tour and has a key to a private room, but he refuses her advances. Skipper and Miranda leave. She tells him goodbye and he grabs her and kisses her. Back at Capote Duncan's apartment, Samantha strolls in alongside Mr. Capote Duncan. They kiss and Samantha has sex without feeling once again. Carrie tries to hail a cab and no, there are no cabs are stopping for her. However, Mr. Big shows up in a private car and tells her to get in. They talk in the car. She tells him of the research on sex without feelings. He says he's not like that and she is impressed. He drops her off and she asks him, have you ever been in love? His answer, 
absolutely. And he drives off, and the episode ends. So let's get into a sexy discussion. Ooh. Ooh. What shall we say? What? Where to start? Where to start? Oh, it's very nineties, isn't it? It's, we'll put, it's a bit too nineties. Smoking indoors. The Donald Trump <laughs> joke. Donald just out and out asking someone if they're gay. Like, oh my god! It's just all nineties. <laughs> Imagine now. I'm sure it still happened, but like, mm. wouldn't be me anyway. Um, but yeah. I don't know where to right. So we'll start with who's your favorite? My favorite is uh, so I suppose the one I say this all the time, right? My favorite is Samantha. Everyone wants to be a Samantha, but you're a Miranda. Let's be honest, like Mm. you want to be the free spirit, but you're the one at home getting Chinese (laughs) on your own. Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up and like didn't know what the program was about and stuff, Charlotte used to be my favorite. But I think it was because I really liked the name Charlotte. Charlotte is a lovely name. Um, I was was talking to my friend and she's never seen Sex and the City, and I told her, "Oh, you're she's a real Charlotte because she is." And she just got so offended. She's like, "Oh, what are you talking about?" And I was like, "Charlotte from Sex and the City." And she's like, "I thought you meant Charlotte from Geordie Shore." And I was like, "I never wanted to hit someone in the face more." Do you know what's funny, actually? I've never seen Geordie Shore, Jersey Shore, yeah, anything well, like that. <laughs> good on you. Um, I know, I know. But, like People are always shocked when they say that. But um, how have you not seen Sex and the Sea? Oh, I don't fucking know. I want to see it. We're, we're, good, we're good friends. I didn't hit anyone, okay? We don't get on violence on here. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you didn't hit anyone. So, uh, um, I... Yeah, no. So when I was growing up... No, go ahead. Ooh. When I was growing up, yeah, I really wanted to be like Charlotte. Like, you know, she had like, it looked like the picture perfect life. Um, she just always looked like she had her stuff together. Um, but now that I'm older, obviously, we all want to be Samantha. As you said, we all want to be Samantha, but it takes a very special person to pull off a Samantha. Get me? Very much so. Very much so. I said... um. So in the first episode, Kerry does a lot of uh, talking to camera, which I'm glad they got rid of after this episode. She never does it again. It's mostly <laughs> the narration because it just freaks me. I don't know. It just freaks me out. It just didn't feel right or something. Like Lizzie McGuire gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, Lizzie McGuire is an animated character. So it was like I know. I know, but that's what I mean by like gone wrong. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um. Oh my God. Where is there? Okay. Well, Carrie's unbearable from episode one. I thought she becomes unbearable later on. She's unbearable from episode one. Yeah. Oh, she's not my favorite now. I have you to have say. To. Yeah. Really. Even just Sarah Jessica Parker as a whole. You don't like her. Not a big fan, no. A lot of people don't like her. Kim Cattrall yeah. included. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, but but I love Kim Cattrall. Oh, of course. Like even as an actress, I love her. I just think she's so dynamic. I just think oh, this is gonna be so awful. Like him and I to say I'm sitting yeah, in yeah. Nazareth. No, say it anyway. Say but like, oh, I just think Sarah Jessica Parker got very lucky in that role. Yeah. Like, 
I don't know. I couldn't cast somebody better like at that time for to play um, Carrie, but uh, I don't know. It just there's something about her face that annoys me. I know that's <laughs> awful. I know that's awful. That is cruel. So yeah, no, but no. She's beautiful. She's beautiful, but you know when somebody's face annoys it, it's nothing to do with how she like she is. Physically... It, oh, that's like me with um. <laughs> a lot of people. That's like me with Bella yeah, Thorne. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but like there's just something every time I see her when she's on the telly or whatever, I'm just like, oh, shut up, and I don't, I don't know. Why. Oh God, that's that is funny. I know. I'm sorry. No, no, that is very funny. Oh god, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's so... something about that. I just I could never connect with even though like when I was younger, like I used to want to be a writer and obviously who didn't want it or doesn't want to live in New York, like um so that bit I was probably just jealous of her to be honest. Yeah. But um honestly. But uh yeah, I could never connect with her character because of not liking Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, I mean, you know, besides that, I mean, it's such a, there are so many shows about New York that are very heightened and idealized. Now, very few are filmed in New York. Some are filmed on sound stages in Los Angeles. Um, this is probably one of few, no, not actually, no, there's a lot of shows now that are actually filmed in New York. This is a one, I would say, one kind of New York. It's a certain class of New York. We are getting very much... Yeah, these four women are privileged white women. Yeah, they are, and we're seeing one kind of New York. We do, the only kind of working class character that we do see later on is Steve, who is a bartender who Miranda sleeps with, mm. and then she obviously ends up spoilers for the series. By the way, she ends up marrying him and having a baby with him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I have a Harper's Bazaar article here that I just thought was so interesting that I would just, it's Sex in the City, what it got right versus what it really didn't. So I would love to share some points from that, if you don't mind. Of course not, work away. And even, you can even share what you think. So we're going to start, first one is The Good. It changed our view of single life forever. Sex in the City starts when the women are in their 30s, <laughs> one in their 40s, <laughs> and bar Charlotte, none of them were interested in marriage. All of them had jobs that they loved, found fulfilling, found they loved and found fulfilling and friends whom for the most part offered them love, fun and support. The show was amongst the first to say that you didn't need to settle down and marry the first man you meet after your 30th birthday. In fact, it said that sometimes, no matter how perfect the man is, if you're not in love, open brackets, Edmund Smith, for example, close brackets, it still won't work. It told us loudly, what if it's not right? Then don't settle. Sex and the City was the first show to say women need, needn't pair off and get married to be happy. These women had fun, they drank, had sex and worked hard and they loved their lives. It was a reminder that love and fulfillment come in lots of different forms. It could be a career that you love, friends you adore or finding a place that feels like home. And there's more to aspire to than the perfect romantic relationship. As Charlotte said to her best friends, maybe we can be each other's soulmates. That's the first point. What do you do? You have any thoughts on that? At the start, I was like, no, it didn't. But then, as you kept reading, I was like, actually, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's a different for us because we're in our twenties. 
Yeah, I got. I suppose, but no, I do. Like, I mean, it's gonna be around forever. You know, we're always gonna be able to go back to it. So when we're like in our thirties or late twenties or whatever, it will still give us the same message. You know. Yeah. So I have to ask you a question before I read this next part. Do you know what the Bechtel test is? No, I haven't a clue. No. So the Bechtel test is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel. Uh, it is a test used in film, television, any sort of media to analyze uh, with the scene. Basically, you analyze a scene of more two plus women. Uh, they have to be named characters and they have to talk about something other than a man. So the next one I'm going to read is it's fully passed the Bechtel test. Films and shows that tell the stories okay. of women are still not as commonplace as they should be. In fact, it's the reason so many actresses are setting up their own production companies. But Sex and the City was ahead of the game on this one, passing the Bechtel test with flying colours. It met the test's first two criteria easily. The show featured more than two named female characters who actually spoke to one another. In fact, the relationship between the four protagonists was the foundation of the entire series. The second, do they talk about anything other than a man? The answer is in short, yes. Although Carrie, Miranda, Samantha and Charlotte did devote a lot of time talking about sex and their love interests, the show's storylines went beyond standard chick flick fare. We had Samantha's cancer plot, Miranda's post-baby loneliness, Charlotte struggles with fertility and Carrie's battle with unfair ex- expectations uh, at a, as women's age. As women age, sorry. Women's age. As women's age. So, I mean, if you know what the Bechtel text is... Um, like uh, see it's hard for me because they do talk about sex but then I'm like okay is sex separate from men in this case sorry I got distracted there Uh, oh my fucking god (laughs) sorry god bless you of a hamster okay Um, so the question I posed the vector test is obviously an analysis on women who are named characters in a movie or TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking, about, yeah. talking about something other than a man. My yeah. my question poses: They talk about sex, but is sex a separate subject from men in this case? Hmm. I would imagine so. Because mm-hmm. you can have sex with yourself. Like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, they can. <laughs> Still class, it's the same thing. <laughs> that is not where I thought. I swear to God. Thank God, my, thank God my mother does not listen to this. <laughs> oh, my mom doesn't even know how to send an email. Never mind, get a podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what I did not expect. I know you can, but I just did not expect that. I don't know what you expected to come out. I was expecting like a, a, it was like maybe, maybe yes or no. Like <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, okay, yes, it's separate. That's my answer. Okay, that, I agree with you in this sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had a you had a good point. Um, so. <laughs> to breathe okay so next one uh still in the good section it was the first tv show to focus on female friendship now i would argue that golden girls is but we can move on from this okay okay yeah so i agree 
there would be no girls had Sex and the City not come first. Yes, some of the puns, and I couldn't help but wonder, were tedious, but the dialogue between these four women was unrivaled. We'd seen female friendship on screen before, but never was it the focus was it the focus these women were largely supportive and kind to one another they made each other laugh they loved each other enough to give them home truths even when they didn't want to hear it but at least Miranda did uh they were for the most part always there for one another and they seemed to value one another equally Mm. the most unrealistic aspect was that regardless of babies jobs and partners they had so much time to spend just hanging out that's that's fair all in all, though, there was a pervading theme that even if their careers and love lives were a mess, their four-way friendship was an ever-constant source of strength and safety. Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially you the part of, where did I get the time? Like, I'm unemployed and I still don't have time to hang out <laughs> with my friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very, it's a very unrealistic portrayal of uh, New York life and... You know, again, it goes back to the thing I said. It's one class that we see. We don't really see the working class side of things. Yeah. Okay. Next point. Erson, uh, the good. This is the last good point, actually. It introduced high-low fashion to the mainstream. Carrie Bradshaw might have had taste for luxury labels, particularly Manolo heels, but she also wore a tutu that cost the show's costume designer $5 from a thrift store. Her signature nameplate recalled market style bling, but she'd team it with head to toe Dolce Gabbana or Gucci. For each of the characters, fashion was a form of self-expression, even if it was a little obvious. So, even if it was a little obvious, Samantha's glorious brassiness and ease with who she was translated into sexy mini dress and bright bold head to toe color. This is, does not make sense. For Miranda, a hardworking lawyer, it was all about parasuiting dungarees and puffer jackets and Charlotte expressed her love of tradition through timeless Audrey Hepburn inspired shift dresses and unapologetically feminine uh, elegant looks so yeah I mean I don't really know I didn't even know that tutu was five dollars Jesus Christ in fairness that that look is awful (laughs) well I was gonna say that that tutu though is like iconic it is very iconic it's what makes kind of like it's kind of what you think of when you think of like Carrie Bradshaw you know yeah um you think of like that too too um but I didn't know it was five dollars either that's gas that's a, that is really cool and uh Patricia Field who was the costume designer on it had a knack for picking up designer clothes and uh stuff from thrift stores as well she carried mm-hmm. this over to the next show that she worked on after Sex and the City which was Ugly Betty mm, okay very prevalent Mm-hmm. So now we're entering the bad. Are you ready? Yes. It was madding- maddeningly white. Strangely, yeah. for a show set in one of one of the most diverse cities in the world, there were very few characters who weren't white. At one point, Samantha dates a black record executive, but their relationship is thwarted by the man's sister, who doesn't want her brother to date a white woman, which all plays nicely into the angry black woman myth. In the first film, the producers sought to remedy this issue by casting Jennifer Hudson as Carrie's grateful assistant, who was charged with sorting her post yeah. and looking thrilled when her boss bestowed her with hand-me-downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is too white. Not I too actually, white. I don't want really to mean. That's not mean, but. It's true, though. It was very, it was just 
whitewashed. Like it yeah. was just, it was just we are a load of white people making a production, and that's it. You know, yeah. And it's not in a bad way. It obviously, wasn't intentional, but I would assume it wasn't intentional. But that's just the way it came across. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's, I don't know if you've seen that or if anyone listening has seen that episode where Samantha does go out with the Black Record Executive. They truly glorify the colour of his skin. And, you know, the sister character is given into the angry black woman trope. Jennifer Hudson's character in the first film, I'm going to say, if you take her out of it, nothing changes. Yeah. Nothing fucking changes. And I feel like at the time, that criticism wasn't happening and didn't happen for ages until... 2011 or 2012 when another HBO show about four girls came along girls which I've mentioned before Mm -hmm. which is also stars for white women and that was 2012 okay okay right so you know that that I mean we could do a whole episode on girls but that's that's for a girls episode if we ever do that we could do a whole episode on the lack of diversity oh yeah to be honest in general but like because there is and oh it makes me mad but I like I completely forgot about the whole Jennifer Hudson assistant thing in the first film and just how like now in the second film even in the second film they go to Abu Dhabi and they kind of make a bit of a mockery out of Arab culture Mm. like they put on the what I don't know what the proper term is for the Arab women's yeah the the traditional dress the traditional Arab women's dress yeah there are four white women they put that on to disguise themselves and it's played for jokes like I'm sorry that's poor yeah no that's not great no like when I was in Dubai myself and I was at the mosque we actually we had to put them on mm-hmm. like I had to because I was going to a place of religion mm-hmm. um and they actually the the woman there was like like take pictures in them do whatever like it's fine um probably to promote the thing because the mosque because I I actually did learn a lot when I went to that mosque and it actually gave me a newfound respect for the religion um but that's that's besides the point that they done it in a completely different way where they were like let's not get seen let's you know rather than just putting a fan in front of their face yeah wear a big hat yeah exactly anyway anyway moving on to the next point it had a simplistic represent representation of the gay community there are only two types of gay men in sex in the city the camp man with a finesse for style and the bitchy gossip who dulls out of sharp one-liners sharp dulls out sharp one-liners samantha has a brief dalliance with a lesbian and carrie with a bisexual man which she was mostly appalled and confused by but the two biggest gay roles uh, Carrie and Charlotte's best friends Stanford, Stanford and Anthony are perfect caricatures of what a gay man is flamboyant, cutting and style obsessed then in the terrible films oh god, I didn't write this this is Harper's Bazaar uh, the two who hated each other in the show get married because obviously there were no other gay men for them to end up with in New York City clearly that, clearly. Is just, that just made me mad I'm sorry <laughs> But that's what I mean. Like, there's a lack in the whole show. There's just a lack of representation for everything. But that's also under my point of it was very 90s. Yeah. 
like it was just all very nineties because like we're talking about and now what two thousand and twenty one is like over twenty years ago. Like mm-hmm. is it? Is that right? Yeah it is. Yeah. Twenty what twenty three years I think or something. Yeah. Um yeah I don't it just makes me mad. It just makes me so fucking angry. Like I just mm. I, I like I'm just getting worked up now. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know. Um I feel like I had more to say on that issue. I just don't like when queer characters are treated as caricatures of a stereotype. I just hate that. It's, it's so prevalent in 90s and early 2000s film. And of yeah. course, I like what you said of the time, but we are progressing. And mm-hmm. the last Sex and City movie came out in 2010, okay? Yeah. Not that long ago, but we digress. Also, Liza Minnelli was the officiator at their wedding. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. And like, obviously, I can't really talk on any of these issues as in I can't talk on them. I can't relate. Yeah. I'm a privileged, straight, white woman. <laughs> like, if there's anybody I relate to the most in these, in this um, franchise, it is the four main characters. I'm the I'm a white woman. Oh, God. Well, I am an am- proud queer white man. So there we go. Yeah. So next up, the next point is the pervasive materialism. The film obviously took the biscuit on the ma- the films obviously took the biscuit on the materialism front. But looking back at the series, the Forsen's obsession with shopping and designer goods feels unrealistic. It goes without saying that the few freelance fashion journalists would be able to afford the Jay Z level of riches that Carrie enjoys. The apartment, the wardrobe, the glamorous lifestyle were heralded as a symbol of her success. And let us not forget the excruciating moment in the film when Carrie agrees to marry Big so long as he buys her a really big walk-in wardrobe. You know, you just know that Carrie would have been a nightmare on Instagram. All four women live in a charmed, white, wealthy bubble with little interest in anyone outside of their glossy, privileged lives. Yeah. I forgot about that as well. Need to watch that film again because honestly, like... We could do a whole episode on the film even. We could, because I, I feel like I have a lot to say on the film. Um, oh, anyway, I'm not going to get into that now. But um, yeah, I forgot the whole thing about as long as you buy me a walking closet. Yeah, oh God. I don't know. Uh, yeah, again, it goes back to kind of, I think I've said it earlier. It's a certain, I've said it three times, I'll say it again. It's one type of New York that we're seeing. Rich, privileged, white New York. Not the, <laughs> not the middle class, working class, diverse New York that is realistic you know I lived in New York for a summer so obviously I can speak on this Mm -hmm. I was gonna say the part of New York that they are portraying and they're showing in this show is probably two percent of New York if even yeah Charlotte lives in Park Avenue Mm. and then Carrie lives in the West Village and rent in Manhattan is mad money especially in Park Avenue where if you're very privileged to live there you know We've all seen Gossip Girl. Well, I haven't. Why am I saying that? I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> I know all this. Everyone else has seen Gossip Girl. I mean, Evan knows what it is. Hey, Outsiders. So... <laughs> okay. Are you ready for the next point? Yes. So, next up, uh, subtitle Carrie was the worst friend. Yeah. Although the show's focus on female friendship was laudable. Most women would have cut Carrie from their circle. Self-absorbed, narcissistic and whiny, 
Carrie slut-shamed Samantha, sent her boyfriend to look after Miranda when she was sick, and famously refused to speak to Charlotte when she refused to lend her money. There was the time Miranda wanted an abortion, and instead of being there for her friend, Carrie spent days walking around New York, wondering what life would be like if she hadn't had an abortion 13 years earlier. While Samantha was having chemotherapy, Carrie thought it appropriate to bore her with the mind... I don't know what that word is. Minute of her fledging relationship with Petrovsky. Mm-hmm. I probably said that word wrong, but it was. No, right. I think it's right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk about that. Uh, yeah, Carrie sucks. Yeah, she does. And I agree with that whole statement. I didn't like her as a character. Not a fan of the actress. Just couldn't connect with her. Bit of an arsehole. Really nice apartment, though would kill yeah. for her job she, she all right okay i had to say this as a freelance writer i could not afford that apartments i can barely afford <laughs> to live here <laughs> yeah i agree um well i can't speak on that i'm not a freelance writer but like who was she writing for you know what i mean like you're not how much money are you making i don't know maybe she was a trust fund baby or something I feel she does, like she, she's doing some dodgy dealing yeah. No, there's an episode where she like is on a date with someone and she said, When I moved to New York, I used to buy Vogue instead of dinner because I felt it fed me more. So she didn't come to New York with money. So I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Maybe she's a snake and she's lying to the man. I feel bad for her. And, like, she's doing dodgy, dodgy dealing. Um, yeah, I agree. No, I don't like, I think, I agree. She's a horrible friend. I just, don't yeah. Like, I, I'm going to bring it. Can I just bring us some specific carry situations on right yeah. here? Going to go. Okay. So this is some of the reasons why Carrie the worst presented to you by me. Um, there was the whole, the way she treated Aiden. She cheated on Aiden, got back with Aiden, treated him like shit. Yelled at him after her, her, his dog ate her shoes, which cost her like 400 quid, which Carrie get a grip. Yeah. Right. So, there was her and big are toxic they're the same person they are terrible too they're just two bads like two wrongs don't make a right there's nothing right with them yeah oh god she after miranda uh hurts her neck and can't move she sends aiden to pick her up she didn't even go over she goes over the next day miranda's in a like neck brace thing she can't move her head basically she comes over with bagels and just talks about herself and miranda just calls her out on her shit Miranda calls her a few times, actually. Mm-hmm. There's one scene in a charity shop, which I love. And Miranda says, if you're going to be again, I don't want to hear you come crying to me. And then she basically tells her to fuck off. Um, yeah. She's just awful. Yeah, no, I do agree. And um, I feel like she kind of gave Miranda probably the worst time. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I don't know, like, as in, I don't know why she did, but I feel like, you know, the way sometimes there's that person in a group and they'd, like, single somebody out and, like, pick on somebody. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was the wrong person to pick on because I feel like she's one of the strongest characters. Miranda, yeah, Miranda's most relatable, although she's, like, she's not the nicest character. She definitely feels the most real. Yeah. I say not- that, it, even though saying the show's unrealistic. No, I know what you mean. She's not the nicest character, but as in, am I trying to word this? She doesn't come across as the nicest character, but I feel like she may have the softest center. She's guarded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
She's oh. gone through a lot of stuff, like mm, even though they had, they had a nanny, so like you know, yeah, she wasn't that like far um unwell off. That made no sense. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, I get what you mean. Hopefully, everyone else gets what you mean. If you don't, it's up for interpretation. Rich white women in New York City is what we're talking about. Yeah. Finally, just the final point. It's tonally off-ending. So it's a bit of a long one. Although the show says it's about friendship rather than men, the foursome do spend a lot of time talking about them. The tone-deaf ending didn't help. Despite Sex and the City's long-standing message, there was more to life than getting married and settling down. All the characters just did just that. Forget what the show said about toxic relationships not making you happy. Carrie and Big behaved in the complete opposite way to their characters would do ordinarily and ended up together. Despite Carrie's independence and success, this perpetual and vain and emotionally challenged man ends up rescuing her in Paris from another self-absorbed bore, Alexander Petrovsky. Let's not even think about the film, the film where Miranda was blamed for her husband's infidelity because she was too busy working or that the pinnacle of the movie sees Big building Carrie the ultimate wardrobe for which she would be forever grateful. Cynthia Nixon, who was devastated by the scene, said, It seemed to me the show was so much about female empowerment and about women making their own choices and women standing up for what they wanted and supporting themselves. So to me, to have this scene be a climax of the film, that your wealthy husband built you a nice closet for your clothes, I thought, well, that's not really what you love about the show, is it? Because that's not what we were making it for. It might have given us a sellout ending, but Sex and City is still deserving of our respect. <laughs> and then the next line is, not the films are unsalvageable, but the series with its four female leads, leads, each one strong, intelligent and funny, is still worthy of our time 20 years on. It mm. moved at least some of the stereotypes around women forward, and for that we'll be forever grateful. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah it is very tonally off ending it is yeah now the the ending is like i don't know right. <laughs> it is it is it's, it's i feel like what happened was like they didn't know how to end it yeah but which it, happens which happens a lot does happen a lot and they were like how are we gonna end this like it's gone on for so long and like i feel like by that point, like the girls weren't getting along anymore, and they were like, "Oh, like we can't keep this going. They're not going to work together. They probably would have had to recast one of the characters if they wanted to keep it going, like in harmony." Um, and they probably just went, "Ah, let them all get married." <laughs> yeah, I mean that happens on really every show where the characters get married and have babies and shit, but um. I oh how do I I'm, I had a point to make there right so the ending of the series was fine okay it was fine the end of the actual series right we mm-hmm. then four years after that we get a film didn't really need it but it was a nice little add on but you know again we can save all this for if we ever do the Sex and the City movie um, yeah the film just kind of goes against what the series was really about in some ways. Yeah. And then you have Sex and City 2, which is just a fucking disaster. Um, Like, they're not even in Manhattan. In, they're in Abu Dhabi in the second one. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, ugh, like, what was the point? And 
you know, now they have the reboot for HBO Max and just like that. Obviously, Kim Cattrall's not involved. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to ask you this question. Do you care? Do I care about what? And just like that, if you are you going to watch it if it comes back? Oh, no. I'm yeah. actually, like, it's not like the Friends reunion where, you know, oh, my God, we want to see how they're getting on. I want to see them react to it. And it's not the same vibe. No. It's not. It's like, it's over. Like, let it go. Yeah, this is the thing. You're beating a dead horse. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Like, I really do agree. They are beating a dead horse. But, like, obviously, it's still popular. Like, it's still a franchise, you know. Um, But it's not, like, Friends. Like, I'm just using this for a reference. Yeah, yeah. Because we had um, the reunion so close. Uh, so. Like, not that long ago. Frequently, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Which I can't speak today. Apparently, talking is very hard for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, like whereas we were all excited, it's so prevalent still. Like, yeah, of course, we're both we're still watching both of these series, but like, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I think people are just sick of it. If that makes sense, but they're I, not. But there's. I was going to say every beginning has an ending. And I'm sorry, the, the show mm. should have ended after the final episode. So we shouldn't have kept it going. Although, yeah. again, like I said, the first film was a nice add-on. And, you know, it was wrapped up in a nice little bow. And then if you ra- unwrap mm-hmm. something, how are you going to, you know, keep it the same? You know, you can't do that. And especially with one, let's be honest, everyone's favourite character not there. Like, you're just, you're kind of... yeah. You know, it's kind of you're kind of going against what the show is about, which is the core four and their female friendship, which in real life, we know that they don't have a friendship. No, that is true. But I feel like in theory, um, Carrie was the main character because it was like based around her life. But in reality, and I feel like to a lot of viewers and fans alike, the real main character was Samantha. Yes. You get me? So without having her there, it's kind of like, well, what's the point? Uh, no one really cares about what. I just, the rest it, I just don't think people care either. about this reboot. No one cares about this reboot. No, I didn't even know what was happening. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't think I'll watch it. I don't care. Yeah, no, I don't I respect that. all the actresses individually, but I just don't care. Unless something juicy happens in it and then it's all over the place and then I want to see what happens so I watch it. But other than that... Crossover with Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Sex in the City meets Gossip Girl meets you. Oh, God, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so do we have any more to say on Sex in the City? No, I don't. No, Katie's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> so, as I as we read from Harper's Bazaar, uh, thank you, Harper's Bazaar, for your article. Um, <laughs> uh, Sex and the City was the sh- a show about female friendship. However, I would argue that it was not the first show about female friendship. Golden Girls was. Um, yes. It did inspire a lot of shows about young women female friendships and New York City. So I'm just going to name some of those shows and explain them. You can tell me if you've seen them or not, you know, 
And if you've seen them, if you're listening and you've seen them and you like them or you want to say anything, message us. Yeah. Right. Deal. So the first one is the spin-off show, The Carrie Diaries. So this was a prequel yeah. to the series. It portrayed Carrie Bradshaw in high school, struggling to deal with questions about love, sex, friendship and family. And it ran for two seasons. Yeah. I watched one season of um, it. So then another show is The Bold Type. It's inspired by the life of Cosmopolitan Editor-in-Chief Joanna Coles. Um, the show provides a glimpse into the lives and loves of the lives and love lives of those working at uh, the infamous magazine Cosmopolitan. That's on Netflix if you want to check that out. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. You couldn't get into it? I've never seen it. No, I couldn't get into it. So next up we have Younger. This was created by producer of Sex and City, Darren Starr. Um, after being mistaken for uh, being younger than she actually is, a single mother decides to take the chance to start her career over by pretending to be 26. This show stars uh, Sutton Foster, who is an infamous Broadway actress, and um, fan favourite, Hilary Duff. Aww. I've seen one season, and I don't know why I didn't watch the rest of the seasons, but, you know, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get back into it. Maybe. I believe that's on now if you want to check it out, but I think it's going to be off there soon. Maybe telling somewhere else. Oh. Next up, we have Desperate Housewives. Um, so this is more of a soapier uh, Sex and the City, I would say, although there's no city involved. Uh, mm. Secrets and truths unfold on Wisteria Lane, following the lives of female friends after the suicide of their friend and neighbour Mary Alice Young. Uh, I've seen this. I love it. I think it's one of the best shows ever. Yeah. I'd say I used to watch it when I was younger. We used to watch a lot of weird things when we were younger. We should not have been allowed to watch these things. I shouldn't have been allowed to have a TV. Like <laughs> honestly, I used to watch mad stuff. Mm. Okay, next up we have the Mindy Project. Uh, the show follows a young OBGYN balancing a career and love in New York City. I've said this twice. I'm currently watching it now on Prime Video, and I'm betting to it and really enjoy it. Uh, okay. So. If you want to check that out, that's on Prime Video. Uh, next up, I mentioned this one earlier. It's another HBO show. It's Girls. It was created by star of the show, Lena Dunham. It's, the show follows the experiences of girls in their 20s living in Brooklyn. This was a more, meant to be a more realistic. This show had a lot of comparisons straight away to Sex and City, having been about four single females uh, living in uh, New York. Um uh, a lot of the criticism in terms of race kind of transferred over to girls. Uh, I just finished a show recently. I have to say, I, I don't want to say it's a great show because it's not, but you get addicted to it. Okay, I get you. It's kind of one of those shows. It's watchable. Yeah. Yeah. So next up, we have Girlfriends, a comedy following the lives of four African-American women in L.A., uh, Joan, Tony, Maya and Lynn. And this stars Tracy Ellis Ross, who you might know from Blackish, who is also the daughter of Diana Ross. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, Girlfriends is on Netflix. I would recommend it up until about season five because <laughs> nothing changes. Um, next up, we have Mistresses. Uh, this is a drama about the lives of four friends, each on their own path of self-discovery. I have not seen the show. Have you? No. Next up, this is a big hit last year. Uh, Emily in Paris. Uh, it was created by Michael Patrick Starr, who... Michael, yeah, Michael Patrick something. I don't think that's Starr, because that's the Starfish from SpongeBob. Uh, 
Michael Patrick King. That's his name. Patrick's I love SpongeBob. Shut up. Um, <laughs> she's laughing at me. Emily in Paris. Emily is hired by a marketing company in Paris to provide an American perspective on things. Um, I did not see this. Did you? You know what? I did, and I loved it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> a lot of people didn't like it. I have and to it, say, it's so cheesy. Like that, I wouldn't say it was. The- best show but it was so watchable couldn't take my eyes off of it wanted to see what happened next yeah it got a lot of comparisons to uh the sex and city storyline where carrie moves to paris with alexander petrovsky at the end of season six Hmm. so pretty much there final one we have is lipstick jungle which starred brooke shields um who i've met by the way um this uh, gave us a look at the lives of Nico, Wendy, and Victory, uh, three of New York's 50 most powerful women, according to Time magazine. Hmm. So those are some of the shows that, inspired sex, that were inspired by Sex and the City, which shows that it, you know, had some impact on the world. Yeah. So I want to talk about what the cast have been up to since. So I'm going to talk about the core four, as well as Chris knows he played Mr. Big because he's in the first episode. So I thought I'd include him. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Chris Knows, a.k.a. Mr. Big. So before landing his Sex and City role, uh, Chris Knows was best known for playing uh, Mike Logan on the original series Law and Order. He starred in shows such as uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent and The Good Wife. He appeared in Titanic Blood and Blood and Steel, Tyrant, Gone, Doctor Who, Catastrophe, and he's currently starring in the TV show The Equalizer. Uh, films he's appeared in include Confessions, Castaway, The Glass House, Mr. 3000, The Perfect Man with Hilary Duff, uh, My One and Only, Lovelace, White Girl, and A New York Christmas Wedding. He reprised his role of Big for both Sex and the City movies and is set to uh, be in the reboot and just like that. Mm. Next up, we have Kristen Davis, a.k.a. Charlotte. So since appearing in Sex and the City, Kristen Davis has appeared in such films like Atomic Train, The Adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl, The Shaggy Dog, Deck the Halls, Couples Retreat, Jack and Jill, Journey 2, Holiday in the Wild, and Deadly Illusions. TV-wise, she's appeared on Friends, Will and Grace, Mr. Spider's Sunny Patch Friends, Bad Teacher and Labour of Love. She's been on stage in The Best Man and Fatal Attraction. She reprised her role of Charlotte for both Sex and the City movies and is also returning for And Just Like That. Next up, we have Cynthia Nixon, who played Miranda. So she has been in such films as Papa's Angels, Igby Goes Down, Little Manhattan, The Babysitters, An Englishman in New York, uh, Five Flights Up, A Quiet Passion, the Only Boy Living in New York and Stray Dolls. TV-wise, she's appeared on The Outer Limits, ER, Law & Order SVU, The Big C, 30 Rock, Alpha House, Hannibal, Broad City, and had a main role in the Netflix series Ratchet. Um, on stage, she's been in The Women, Rabbit Hole, Wit, The Real Thing, and Little Foxes. In 2018, she ran for Governor of New York and came and... During Sex and City's initial run, came out as queer and has been married to her wife since 2009. No. In, uh, she reprised her role as Miranda for both Sex and City movies and will be in the series and just like that. Okay, moving on. Next up, we have Kim Cattrall, also known as Samantha Jones. 
So before appearing on Sex and City, Kim Cattrall was a film star in her own right, known for such films as Police Academy, City Limits, Big Trouble in Little China, Mannequin and Porkies. Uh, since appearing in the show, she's been in films such as uh, Baby Geniuses, Crossroads, Ice Princess, Tiger's Tale, The Ghost Rider, Meet Monica Valore, and Horrible Histories movie. TV-wise, she's been in Producing Parker, The Simpsons, Sensitive Skin, Tell Me a Story, and Filthy Rich. Theater-wise, she's been in Whose Life Is It Anyway, The Cryptogram, the Cryptogram Private Lives, Anthony and Cleopatra, and Sweet Bird of Youth. She reprised her role as Samantha for both Sex and City movies, but will not be appearing in And Just Like That. Next up is uh, the main character, uh, Katie's favourite person on Earth, Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, are you fucking distracted again? Oh, are you no, distracted again? No, I'm not. I'm looking for a simple... No, you... I'm not. I'm listening I swear to... Oh, she's out of it today. I promise I'm not. No, I'm no. not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm paying attention. I'm really good. We're very, doing. we're very nice to each other in real life. Um, <laughs> no, we're not. This is <laughs> so last up, we have uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, aka Carrie Bradshaw. So before appearing on the show, Sarah Jessica Parker was a huge Broadway actress, and she also appeared in films such as Footloose, Firstborn, L.A. Story, Hocus Pocus, and The First Wives Club. Since appearing on Sex and the City, mm-hmm. she has been in films such as Failure to Launch, Smart People, Did You Hear About the Morgans. I don't know how she does it. New Year's Eve. And she's going to be reprising her Hocus Pocus role for the sequel, Hocus Pocus 2. TV-wise, she's been on Project Runway, Sesame Street. She had a recurring role in 2013 on Glee. Uh, she also was uh, starred in her own HBO series, Divorce and Nightcap. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker has ventured into the fashion industry, opening luxury boutiques all over New York, starting her own shoe and clothing line. She reprised her role as Carrie for both Sex and City movies and will be in the reboot called And Just Like That. I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, I want to talk about the success of Sex and the City. So I want to call this segment um, Success in the City, if you will. Very good. So... Sex and the City has a 70% Rotten Tomato score, which means... What does it mean? Bad rent. There we go. Uh, the series has won several accolades, including seven Emmys, eight Golden Globes, and three SAG Awards. It has been listed as one of the best TV shows of all time by Time Magazine in 2007 and TV Guide in 2013. The series spawned two feature films, the first movie earning $418 million worldwide. The second movie earned $294 million worldwide. The show got a spin-off, The Carrie Diaries, that ran for two seasons. And we mentioned before, the show's arrival and just like that is under production and is heading to HBO Max in 2022. Yeah. So, Katie, guess what it's time for? Oh, um, maybe is it a pop quiz? It is indeed a pop quiz. So this is the part of the show where I quiz Katie on this week's topic, which is Sex in the City. Katie. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the sexy quiz? No, I am not. I'll try my best anyway. Okay. So, there we have 10 questions. So, question one. Yeah. Who is the first of Carrie's friends we meet? Miranda. That is correct. Woo! Okay. 
Question two. Which character briefly dated a woman in the show? Oh my god, um, Samantha. That is also correct. Woo! Who is the first Sex and the City character to get married? To get married? Oh, Charlotte? That is correct. Woo! And according to Charlotte, how many great loves do you have in your life? Oh, two. Yeah, that's correct as well. <laughs> I'm doing so well. What is happening? I don't know. I'm really so. surprised. Okay. Question five. This is multiple choice. According to Kerry, okay. what never goes out of style? Cosmos, men, friendships, or shoes? Sorry, I feel like I'm going to let down the side in this one then. Cosmos? No. No. What it is it? Friendships. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> some some do not some do go to start some, yeah some do question six this is also multiple choice okay. which former Spice Girl uh, appeared on the show briefly Jerry Halliwell Mel B Emma Bunton or Victoria Beckham oh, oh it's between two I'm just going to go with my go. Mel B? No. It was Victoria, wasn't it? It was Jerry Halliwell. Oh, okay. Grant. I never would have got that. That's fine. Okay. Question seven. Where does Charlotte work? Um, A bank. <laughs> no, she does not work at a bank. Um, well, that was my answer. Um, I just thought, always thought she was like a stay-at-home person. No, you see her in the first episode. She's working a job. What job? What is she doing? Gosh, I can't remember. I'm just going to say she works in a bank. She works in an art gallery. Oh, yeah, she does. Question eight. Which character is a lawyer? Miranda. That is correct. Uh, which character spent $40,000 on shoes in one year? What's her name? Uh, Carrie? That's correct. And question 10, this is a multiple choice. Um, who has never guest starred on Sex and the City? Bradley Cooper, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Coolidge, or Kat Dennings? Kat Dennings. That's incorrect. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Do you want to have another guess here? Oh, I don't know now. Oh, this is a hard one. So then uh, your other two choices are Bradley Cooper, Reese Witherspoon, or Jennifer Coolidge. Um, we'll go with Jennifer Coolidge. Then, but I think that's wrong as well. Yeah, the correct answer is Reese Witherspoon. She's never been on the show. Really? I don't know why I thought she was. But... So Bradley Cooper plays a kind of, it was one of his first acting roles. He plays a douchey guy who sees Carrie on the cover of a magazine looking pretty haggard and makes fun of her for it. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge plays a heartbroken mm. woman who 
uh, gets dumped by her boyfriend and takes to making ugly purses. Kat Dennings appeared on the show as a 13-year-old girl named Jenny Breyer, who Miranda, who Samantha did the PR for her uh, bar mitzvah. And she was acting a bit too uh, old for her age in that episode. That's a great episode, actually. Oh, hey. So um, next up, we're going to put Sex and the City on our pop scale. We rate it out of five based on its place in pop culture and the overall quality and how much we like it. Katie, out of five, what are you giving Sex and the City? I'm going to give it two and a half. Just because I, like, I'm not a huge fan. I can see that it has had a huge impact. Um, it, it is, like... For its time, it's a good show. It has good messaging, kind of. But I feel like in this day and age, it's just a little bit outdated. And, you know, I was never a super fan. It never got me that hard. Um, but it does obviously have a place in pop culture. You say the name, people know what it is. People know who you're talking about when you talk about the characters. So, yeah, two and a half for me. Uh, for me, I'm probably going to give it a three. Like, okay. you, like you said, it has pace in pop culture. I enjoyed the show. I've seen it many times. It has not aged well in some retrospects, especially that first episode. Nope. Very 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of dodgy stuff as well with it in terms of race and portrayal of uh, minorities and different classes. Mm-hmm. Um. I enjoy the show, but, you know, again, I'm giving it a three for that reason. I wouldn't give it a five because I don't love it as much as I, you know, would like to admit. Yeah, like it didn't age great. Mm, no, it didn't. It did not, in fairness. There were some shows do, but just it, that one didn't. Yeah. So next up, uh, we... Uh, next up is our segment, uh, What's Poppin'? We talk about what's popping with us in terms of... Uh, pop culture and what we're enjoying at the minute. Katie, what's popping with you? This is what I was looking up when you were talking the last time because, as we have probably mentioned before, I have the attention span of a fish. And even though I'm really liking this show at the minute, um, I couldn't remember the name. So it is Family Reunion, which is on Netflix. Oh, I've heard have that's you- very good. Yeah, I've been enjoying it now. I've been enjoying it. I started to watch it and then I stopped, like not stopped. When I say I started to watch it, I started to watch it sometime last week. Got distracted. Didn't really have time to be watching it. Um, but I really do like it. It's in like four parts and each part has like 10 episodes. I don't know why it says like part instead of season. Mm-hmm. Weird. I don't know. Anyway, can't explain it. But the show is really good. It's really feel good. It's like a sitcom. Um, I can't remember which one is in it, but it's, out. it's one of the Sister Sister Girls. Oh, it's I Tia. Is it Tia? Yeah. yeah. I remember which one exactly. Um, But yeah, it's really good. I've been enjoying it so far. And I'm probably going to watch more of it after I have my bath later on. So what is popping with you, Evan? Okay, so what's happened with me? Uh, it's on Disney Plus every Monday. It is season 11, the final season of The Walking Dead. Ah. Every Monday, uh, as you, I said this before in another episode uh, yeah. earlier this year when we thought, well, lockdown was going to last for a month. And 
that did not happen. It lasts for 10,000 years. Um, still not fucking out of it, to be honest. Uh, I started The Walking Dead with my father and uh, we watched nine seasons in a month and then I waited for all the entire of the 10th season to come out. We watched that in like a few days. So now I'm just like, I do not want to wait for the entire of season 11 to come out because now I'm officially a fan and people are going to be talking about it. So every Monday I'm watching a new episode of The Walking Dead season 11 and I'm really enjoying it. It's very dark this season. It's the final season. And, you know, I am very nervous for it to end because I'm like, how are, how are you going to end this? Like, what the fuck's going to happen? Like, yeah, you know, it's a whole world that they've yeah. created with spinoffs and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that I also am enjoying another show on Disney Plus that is every Tuesday, only murders in the building, which I talked about briefly on the Achiever by a Dozen episode because it stars Steve Martin, uh, his comedy par- partner, Martin Short, and they are joined by Selena Gomez. They play uh, true crime aficionados who decide to set up a, their own podcast, similar to us, um, yeah. uh, after someone in their apartment building gets murdered. So that's also very good. Um, yeah, that's what I'm enjoying right now. Sounds good. So there's lots of stuff for people to watch if they have nothing else. Yeah. So, Katie, where can the people find us? People can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Make It Podcast. And you can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and something to do with Amazon. Amazon Music, Audible, and Podbean. You need to write this down. <laughs> I know I do, but it's fun when you get annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to follow now, I swear to God. <laughs> right, so... I just, I just think it's a I know. <laughs> So thank you for listening to this very sexy episode of Sex in the City. Um, of Sex in the City. This is what you're listening to, yes. Um, of Make It a Podcast. Um, thank you for listening to this sexy episode of Make It a Pod. I can't speak. You know, thank you for listening to this. Make um, it thank you. Uh, we hope that you all stay safe and enjoy life and stay sexy. See you next week. Yeah. Bye.